doing today? It's your favorite host, Ali Khan, on the AJK Health, Fitness, and Business Podcast, where we talk about everything from mental and physical health to success in the world of business. Because most people don't realize this, but they are intrinsically related. You can't have the mental without the physical, physical without the mental, without the financial, without the familial. Everything has to go hand in hand. And on this podcast, we invite people from all spheres of life to talk about their stories, how they achieve their goals, what they're doing in the hopes of motivating and inspiring you, the listeners. And maybe you can be on the podcast someday too. Today, I have a very special guest with me, Peter Lapari from the world of sports management, the men behind the man that you don't see. Peter Lapari is a boisterous beast, animated American superman, man with a plan, amazing stuff. He did his undergrad in labor studies at Rutgers University in New Jersey before, and is still currently enrolled in a master's in sports and business from Arizona State, which is also where he's currently based. He had brief stints at Morgan Stanley and Patillo, if I pronounce that correctly, Patillo Incorporated, which is a construction company, before joining the juggernaut sports agent Jason House's Iridium Sports Agency to realize his dream of becoming the a big shot sports agent himself as well. The head honcho, the big enchilada, not quite there yet, but he's getting there, I promise. And right now he's working as a marketing professional, learning about the uh, marketing space in the sports world which is not the same as traditional business. So we're going to talk about that in a minute. Um, how are you doing, Pete? I'm doing great, Ali. And thank you for having me on your podcast. This is something I really look forward to. You know, um, honestly, this is my first podcast as well. So I'm excited about it. I'm excited to talk about, you know, sports, life, right. anything in general with you. So I'm really pumped. First of many, Pete, first of many, I can tell you have many more podcasts, shows, following coming your way you know you're a talented guy and that's why you're on the podcast you know you have that you have that drive that hunger to really achieve your goals and that's what we look for that's what i look for in people on the podcast so pete real quick first of all the first question that came to mind when i read your background when you told me about it is how does a guy who's working at morgan stanley end up at iridium sports agency i've never heard of that so it was i was fresh out of college um Arizona State, uh, right out of wrestling season. So I was kind of uh, looking for jobs, you know, obviously you want to start making money in the real world, the real world starts. And, uh, you know, I got an interview on Morgan Stanley, kind of did really well on the interview and uh, I got a job there. So I was currently, it was basically remote, but the Morgan Stanley office was based out in Chandler, like the town next over for me. So I worked there for a couple months and um, long story short, I was out. One night with my friends, the UFC card was actually in uh, Phoenix. So right at the Footprint Arena in Phoenix, Arizona. And uh, they were having after parties and um, a couple of local spots around like my area. So I go up the street. I was with a couple of my buddies and um, Israel Adesanya was having this after party at, um, at the bar, local bar around here. So um, long story short, I got to interact with uh, his management team. So that was kind of like my first taste of it because it's always something I wanted to do, even when I was younger. I always refer back to this kind of certain moment in my life. It was, um, so Drew Rosenhaus, he's a famous NFL agent. Mm-hmm. Um, and Terrell Owens was actually in a contract to speak with the Philadelphia Eagles at the time. And uh, it was Terrell Owens. He was actually, it's famous because he was doing sit-ups in his garage and like he has a bunch of media people around him. Then you kind of just see Drew Rosenhaus come over. He's like, hey. Like, you know, Terrell's going to do what's best for Terrell. And I was like, oh, my goodness. Like, I feel like that's, like, the coolest job in the world, like, representing a top athlete like that. And, you know, he kind of just, like, popped right in camera and was, like, his voice for him at the moment. So ever since then, I was I found it so fascinating. Even when I was younger, too, I would do my research on, you know, agents and things like that. So it was kind of a thing that was going to come full circle eventually. So leading back to that story, uh, I was talking to the management team at Israel Adesanya's management team, just kind of looking for advice. Um, one of the guys told me, hey, like, you know, you already have like a great foot in the industry, especially in the MMA game. You're wrestling in college. You probably have those connections. A lot of those guys are going to be wrestling, uh, fighting after college. So that kind of motivated me at the time. I was like, hey, you know, what? like, why don't I go for it? I'm young. I'm 
25, like I have so much time, like might as well go, go for something you want in life. And so long story short, I was on a contract at Morgan Stanley and ended. They were, they wanted me to bring on full time. And I said, you know what, let me do this. I'm going to go chase what I want. So how I reached out. How old were you back then when you had your first exposure to sports management, when you used to do the, the, the research and sports agent and those, you know, the big shots, not so much athletes, but the sports agents, men behind the men. So how old were you back then? I was probably around, so let me throw it. That's just around like 10 years old. <laughs> it was around 10 years old. So, yes. uh, so around that age when kids are Googling, you know, uh, the Tom Brady's and the, 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 the athletes that you see on TV, the Pate Manning's and, and you know, all of those people, you were looking at the sports agents as opposed to the actual athletes. Correct. So that's actually funny because uh, my dad always, when I was younger, I used to get like fixed on like certain things. Like I remember when I was like, when I was younger, I would know like every NFL fo- football player what college he went to. And so like just when, just when that Drew Rosenhaus interview popped up on my TV, like on ESPN when I was little, just from there on, I just like studied like different agents up. and things. Yeah, that's just this kind of like I approach today too. Still to this day, you know, I kind of listen to other agents, how they talk, and like what they do, what their like process is, and I kind of take a little bit of everything, kind of like make uh-huh. my own. You know what? That's amazing. So you know, uh, to that end, then, and when you went to that sports bar, you got in track with the the management team of Israel Adesanya, right? And that was your first Correct. exposure to sports management itself. It, what exactly is sports management? You know, most people, when they turn on the TV, they see the end result, they see the guy in the ring, they see the guy on the pitch, the court, whatever, basketball, football, UFC, fastest growing sport in the world, MMA, my bad. But, you know, UFC has done a great job of, such a great job of building their business that I just think UFC, not MMA. But uh, what exactly is sports management, right? Most people look at the guy in the front. So sports management, it's, so it's at the end of the day, we want to bring the athletes, make their lives easier outside of like the cage, the court, the field. So, you know, there's a lot of things that come into it, you know, especially in this day and age, you know, partnerships are one really big thing in this industry nowadays. You know, that's a great way for a person or an athlete to make money outside of their profession. So whether that's doing commercials for uh, brands or, you know, posting on Instagram or making TikToks for them, you know, we come to a day and age now where, you know, sports marketing and management, you know, it's became huge. You know, there's a lot more marketing agencies nowadays popping up. And I feel like it's great too, because it did create a lot of jobs for people at the same time. Like, I feel like maybe 10 years ago, marketing or influencer marketing wasn't a thing really. And nowadays it's huge. Everyone has, they created job positions specifically just for that, you know, seeing influencers, like how much analytics they bring, how much brand awareness they bring. So I feel like it's really cool how much it's transpired. Like everyone says, oh, social media, you know, it's bad. But there's also a lot of good that comes out of it. And it gives these athletes an opportunity to make money outside of like what they're doing in the sport. And that just grows and grows, you know, obviously at the end of the day, I feel like for me personally, why I got into, you know, the sports industry, you know, eventually when I become, you know, a full-time agent, it's kind of the, you know, help these guys set them up for life, you know, put them in the right direction you know, bring them generational wealth where, you know, after their sport, you know, they have kind of like a different niche, like whether like someone likes cooking, like they open up a cooking TV show or reality show. So that's kind of like my biggest goal, you know, with my athletes is kind of bringing them a different niche instead of sports. So outside of it, you know, they're ready. Like whether that's like a lot of people do real estate, a lot of people become entrepreneurs, invest in companies. So I feel like that's the biggest thing I want to do. Uh, outside of just like signing x and o's you so know sports I mean? management based on what, what i'm understanding from you is basically the business of managing the athlete making sure that they get their fill they get their due they they're able to actually make money and make a living off of the sport especially if the salary or the paycheck isn't as high for example in the ufc unless you're at the top of the sport you're not really making a lot of money so am i correct in assuming that sports management based on what you're saying as well as basically you know, getting the athlete that exposure on social media and other marketing channels or building a brand around them so that they can do what they love and not have to support themselves through a second, third or fourth job. Yes, that's a big component of it. And two, at the end of the day, just guiding the athletes, you know, um, putting them in the right position where, you know, they're financially free and, you know, they have everything they want, where their kids' kids have, you know, money coming in, their college are paid off and, you know, just 
that's, I think that's the biggest goal for every agent. I think that's why you do it. You know, I mean, some other agents do it for other reasons or other than that, but I feel like most, most of it's just, you know, they love sports. They want to help these athletes and, you know, um, be their voice outside of the ring for certain reasons. And, you know, it helps, it helps athletes a lot so they can focus on training. They can focus on their title fights that NFL football player can focus on his games. So, uh -huh. you know, it's kind of like a misconception, you know, all oh, agents are bad or this and that. In reality, you know, we're, we're just trying to help, help these athletes. We I'm love so sports. You. Yeah, go ahead, go ahead. And uh, so, yeah, that's, that's really like the rundown of what, there's a lot of components to that sports management, but people doing sports management, but that's kind of like the general idea of it. So I'm glad, I'm so glad that you, and I want to talk about those other components as well, because again, we're describing what sports management is. So might as well describe the different components for anyone listening who wants to become a sports manager, you know, want, wants to go into sports management themselves as well, or find themselves at, you know, cutting edge agency like yours, uh, Iridium, Iridium Sports. Um, I'm so glad that you touched on that point, though. I was going to touch on this later, so let's discuss this now. So sports managers do sometimes get a bad rap, right, about being blood-sucking leeches or thirsty agents who are, who are, who are bleeding the, uh, the, the athletes dry, right? The athletes make, what, 80%, they take half of that cut, whatever. So they get a bad rap for that, you know, riding off the back of these athletes. What is your response to that? And is there any element of truth in that or not really? Are there some bad actors that give it, give the agency, you know, give the industry a bad rap? Um, I mean, I, th I feel like in anything in general, you know, you have bad apples, you have good apples. And that's like anything that's like you can be at a uh, work in a corporate job. Like still, there's good people that you work with and there's bad people you work with, you know, in that same position. So, um, like I said, I feel like most, you know, most agencies, you know, they do really what's best for the athlete. And, you know, I think that's kind of like where it's become, especially in the UFC too, like a lot of these agencies, they're ran by great people, uh, great mentors. And I just feel like it goes a long way, especially the athletes will see it too at the end of the day. And once you kind of, you know, develop a relationship, you know, show, you know, the value to the athlete, you know, I believe it just comes full circle in general. So then to that end, right, how do these agencies, because I think this is the main reason for why people, you know, don't, uh, if sports management gets a bad rap is the way that they make money. Uh, you know, they're not necessarily bleeding the athletes dry. They have negotiations and contracts with those athletes. Some of the arguments are that the contracts are exploiting the athletes. How do agencies make money? How do they make a living for themselves? Because they have to do that at the end of the day. One of the reasons for why, uh, you know, agents get a bad rap is because athletes have contracts. Those contracts are exploiting them and stuff along those lines. But the agencies, it's a business at the end of the day. And you have to make a living for yourself as well. So how do agencies make money? And is it the same across different, you know, industries, different sports, or is it more or less, the, or is it different? It's relatively all the same in uh, sports. So usually they get a certain percentage of their contract, you know, whether it's the NFL, um, the, for instance, like the NFL, uh, there's called a thing called guaranteed money. Uh, usually the agents will get a certain percentage, whether it's like 2%, 3% of that uh, guaranteed money. And, uh, and like the UFC, same thing, you get a certain percentage. And then a lot of it too nowadays, like I said, the world of marketing has grown so much. Uh, a lot of marketing deals too, you know, negotiating that uh, um, marketing deal and, uh, you know, taking a certain percentage of that. So that's kind of how they find their way. And that being said too, um, it's like the age. So let's say like for marketing, for instance, I go make a call, I reach out to a brand and they're like, okay, so-and-so, like we like so-and-so. And then, so there might be two to four phone calls just to maybe reach a deal with them. So there's a lot of process that takes into it. So imagine an athlete training full-time. Mm -hmm. Yes, he's training full-time, he's doing his recovery, his main focus is training. An athlete doesn't have time to make two to five phone calls with a brand just to pitch himself or pitch herself. So that's where we come in, you know, and make that process easier for them. And at the same time, you know, we're investing time, you know, kind of energy into doing that. So it kind of works both ways. So it kind of offsets it. And the athlete teases at the end of the day. It's like, hey, like you're taking out a part where I'm still getting paid and something that a brand that I like that I want to partner with. And you're making my life easier by, you know, finalizing a deal with them without me, you know, wasting so much time and energy where I can be focused on watching film, I can be focused on, you know, recovery and, 
things like that. And, you know, the athletes see that, you know, that's why there's so many management companies nowadays because it makes the athlete's life easier where it's like, I'm not stressing where the athletes aren't stressing for, you know, I got to take this phone call right now, but I'm supposed to be in the ice tub recovering, you know, things like that. And that's a fair point, right? Essentially, at the end of the day, look, as an agency, you're creating value for those athletes and all you're doing is being compensated for the value that you're creating and not Correct. being paid otherwise. If you don't create that value, you don't get paid. It's a lose-lose. But if you do, it's a win-win, right? You only Correct. get part of what you provide for the athlete. Correct. So then the question also becomes, and then other, since we're moving on to the athlete as well in the process uh, on that end, at what point does an athlete need to get an agency or if, if I was to become an MMA fighter or a football player, let's go for it with, with MMA because stadium sports is about UFC, MMA specifically. I keep saying UFC because again, you know, branding <laughs> and marketing on UFC's part has been so amazing by the way. And we exactly. about the that I just think UFC, not MMA. But uh, since that's a radium's focus, right? At what point, if I was to go for the MMA, right? I'm fighting in different, you know, contests and stuff along those lines. I'm going up the ranks. At what point do I need an agency for myself to be able to get to the next level? I think it depends, really. I mean, it depends where you're at. So a lot of these guys, you know, they might sign with an, like their amateurs just to do amateur fights. They might sign with an agency or, you know, they have a couple of pro fights in them. They might sign with an agency. It really depends on the athlete where they see like, they're like, all right, like I specifically want to at this point in my career this is where I should start getting an agent. So I want to move into the UFC or Bellator or PFL or one of those top promotions, other promotions. So it really depends on the athlete, whatever they want to do, really. You know, uh, Iridium in general, we grab, uh, we do have a lot of amateur guys too. So, you know, that's what we're about is just building these guys up, you know, even in the amateur, you know, some uh, pro ranks and, you know, get their ticket into the UFC, you know, get them into Bellator, get Can them into PFL. athletes be proactive and call the agency, try to get someone on board as well? Or does the agency always recruit on their end? So does that make sense? Question in the sense that it's a mixture. I myself get an agency or will agencies come to me if I'm good enough? It's a mixture of both, I think. I think it's a mixture of both. You know, some agencies do do recruiting. They have a certain recruiting process, you know, you know, they stay strict to it. And there's some other uh, athletes that just reach out like, hey, like I'm so-and-so, you know, I have this record, here's a couple of my videotapes. And, you know, I think it goes both ways. They're just like in anything, you know, like people recruiting for a job, like recruiters, like you recruit someone because they fill those requirements or like they set, they set a certain standard where it's like, okay, this makes sense. So let's put this position in, let's make this person a uh, accountant of our company because he has these qualifications. So it goes both ways, I think. And I, it's pretty much um, like a lot of these guys, the athletes invest into an agency. They're like, all right, I know this agency can bring me to X, Y, and Z. So I'm going to sign with them now, you know, even though I'm only three amateur fights in, hey, you know, I've seen what they've done. I've seen the blueprint they laid down. Let me go and follow that, the same exact blueprint. And if that athlete does sign with that agency, then since we're talking about that now, right, signing with an agency, uh, how does it, there's so many agencies out there, so much competition. So there's two part, this is a two part question. A, how do agencies differentiate themselves, right? Why do I sign with Iridium and not Paradigm or, you know, First Round or other such agencies? And the second part of that question is how do athletes know that they're a good fit for that agency? You know, that's somewhat related, but also somewhat different two questions. I think in general, um, from like an athlete, Oh, yeah. okay, second one. so the athlete standpoint I feel like the athletes it's kind of hey like I kind of like everyone has a different method of you know getting to because at the end of the day everybody what's the main goal is getting to the UFC getting to Bellator getting to PFL the top promotions so you kind of just see that with the other athletes like a lot of these guys train together a lot of them talk to each other so it's just like whatever agency fits their best you know, every agency is good. You know, they have the best interest of their athletes at the end of the day. So, you know, hey, you know, I like this so-and-so, what they do with this athlete, you know, I'm going to go mm-hmm. talk to him about it, see what they, their view and point on it. And they just give them advice. And I think that, I feel like that's like in every other sport, you know, a lot of these athletes talk to each other, they're friends at the end of the day. And, you know, they have certain agents or certain agencies they're part of. And just, you know, I feel like it's more at the end of the day, you know, it's the personal preference of the athlete. You know what I mean? 
And then the second part of that question was, how do the agencies differentiate themselves, right? You, you act, you specifically work on the marketing side for Radium, right? So how do you market Radium such that I would end up preferring Radium over Paradigm or First Round or you know other agencies out there, Tier One Sports? Uh, what's the differentiation in a market that's as competitive as this one? Because it's only growing. There's only more agencies coming up day by day. I think it's just creating value for the athlete. Um, you know, there's like I, like you said, there's so much competition. There's so many great agencies in this game. So it's kind of the way to different differentiate yourself is kind of just depends on if you like the certain, like I kind of refer back to the first question, you kind of like what blueprint they laid out for you. You know, they might have every app, every agency has a plan for an athlete. So if I, if you like my plan more than that other agency's plan, awesome. Then eventually the athletes can be like, Hey, I'm going to go with you. I like the blueprint blueprint you laid out for me. That's how I'm going to get into the UFC. Awesome. Let's do that. You know? Do you think and, there's too much competition in the industry at this point? Um, I mean, I feel like there's so many athletes in MMA, you know what I mean? It's, it's such a fast growing sport. There's regional promotions everywhere. There's so many fighters. So, I mean, in a sense, yes, but you know what I mean? It's just, I think the athlete, the app, everyone can benefit from like a sport like MMA. There's so many athletes, there's so many great fighters and it's just whether what you do with that great fighter, you know, building a brand for him, you know, getting him like those good fights that he needs, you know, just laying, I keep referring back to a blueprint, but it's literally just a blueprint. You, you kind of pick and you kind of see what the athlete, you know, build his branding up, you know, get him the certain fights he needs, you know, it's kind of just, you follow a plan and you stick to that plan eventually. And you see that plan consistently working. Eventually you put the other athletes in that plan and it just comes full circle. Speaking of plans, right. Let's talk about recruiting in the sports industry, specifically, for example, something specifically a global sport, right? Let's talk about MMA. I mean, you've got fighters from Brazil, you've got fighters from China, from Korea, from the US, just you name it, there's a nationality from there. Now you have Russian fighters, although with Ukraine and Russia stuff happening, maybe not today, not these days, but you know, it's a global sport. You got people from every part of the world, uh, you know, uh, fighting in MMA, trying to get to the UFC specifically, because that's the pinnacle of the sport. Uh, how do you guys discover, uh, you know, talent which can come from any part of the world at any point in time? There's so much opportunity. There's so many athletes. But then how do you find the best ones, right? You can't just be limited to the US because that's where you're, you're leaving talent off the table. So do you have connections, scouts? Do you use a software? You know, it's a great thing. Uh, it's pretty much just the internet. So, you know, UFC Fight Pass has become so huge. You know, there's a lot of regional shows throughout the whole country. Um, YouTube, there's just, there's so much technology you can use nowadays to, you know, find a fighter, specific fighter, like other in like Mexico, or, you know, we have great connections in Tijuana, Mexico, with a lot of those gyms and things like that, where uh, Brandon Moreno trains. So you kind of make those connections outside the country, you know, with, you know, maybe like their their um their coach you know their head coach of that gym and you know i feel like that's how you kind of like start reaching out outside of the country you know what i mean especially just doing your scouting you know that's like with anything like nfl scouts for instance they're gonna um, go ahead go ahead so they're gonna scout so the up-and-coming guys coming through the draft they're gonna scout them they're gonna watch film on them their college tapes you know good games bad games you know mediocre games you know all that so, but if you see potential, I think it's kind of just a, it's like a feel. You kind of develop it through time. It's like, all right, this guy has it. Or, you know, this guy, he's good, but, you know, he needs work on this. Or he, she needs work on this. So it's kind of, it's kind of like a feeling. You kind of have to have that knack for seeing talent. It's like, it's hard to explain it. How do you get that knack for seeing talent? Because look, when I see fights in the UFC or when I see a football player throw the ball, they all look the same to me, you know? So how do you, how do you see it? What do you I think it's just, I think it's just repetition and, you know, just going and, you know, talking to the athlete, like on a, like a, like a personal basis, you know, I think some, like, I kind of refer back to wrestling. So I wrestled in college. I wrestled in high school. I wrestled my whole life. So, you know, you kind of see athletes, you know, who are, you know, have like that it factor and then, you know, some who are good, but, you know, might not have that it factor like the other guy above them. So I feel like it's more just like their mentality, you know, being disciplined. You know, I think discipline is probably the biggest thing for any athlete. 
like a Tom Brady's played for 25 years, you know, just retired this year. He's probably, they say he's the most disciplined person on the planet, you know, with his diet, how he sleeps, how he eats, how he approaches things, his mentality, all those things. I feel like if you're good at doing that and if you're, you know, discipline, it's hard because, you know, there's sometimes you want to slip up. You want to have that cookie at night or you want to have, you know, stay up to like 2 a.m. watching Netflix. But the great ones, they're in bed at 9, 30, 10 p.m., you know, lights out, nothing. They're fast asleep. You know, all those little things, because I believe in talent, but, you know, hard work, you're hard work and disciplined and, you know, you're obsessed with, you know, what you do and your craft, you know, you can become the best in the world. So you kind of just, you kind of see it from both sides, you know, talent wise and just mentality wise, you know, where are they at mentally, you know, what's, what's their, like, what's their routine, you know, all those things kind of taken about. It's also the kind of stuff, though, that, right, you mentioned technology, that there's so much technology out there now, YouTube, uh, videos, information, social media, fight pass. But then that's exactly it, right? To get into those details, the nitty gritty, you just can't find that on YouTube. Look, if I'm a fighter, you better believe I'm not going to put my worst fights on there. I'm going to put my best fights. I'm going to put my best foot forward, right? So how do you get that kind of data that you mentioned about the discipline right? Uh, over social media, you just, I feel like you just can't. So do you at some point have to meet in person with that athlete before you sign up or how do you go about it? You can just talk on the phone. You can honestly do a Zoom link, Google meet, things like that, you know, kind of just see where they're at, you know, what's their goals and you know what, what's their motivation behind fighting. You know, some people might be money, you know, I want to provide for my family or okay, that's their motivation or, you know, I want to be the best fighter in the world. Like that's, that's what I'm here to do then so on and so forth. So it's, everyone fights for different reasons, man. So I think it's kind of, um, and recruiting process, it's just like anything, you know what I mean? When you're recruiting someone, like sometimes when I recruit, you know, some of these college wrestler guys, I mean, I see where they want to do after school, like they want to fight. Okay. So what are we going to do now? We're going to build your brand. We're going to market you the right way. You know? So once you get into those regional shows, you already have a following and a brand. Mm -hmm where it's like, all right, you know, maybe I get three, four pro fights in, or, you know, might get like 20 Muay Thai fights in, you know, get yourself prepared because you already have the easiest background. You have the hardest background to learn, which is wrestling. Wrestling's the hardest background you can learn. You know, MMA, you already have that down. Now we're just going to work on your striking. We're going to get you Muay Thai fights. We're going to get you, you know, a couple amateur fights before we go pro to like the LFA or like a Fury. And, um, just getting them with the right people. You know what I mean? So that's, it's kind of the cool thing too. I like kind of like the new college uh, athletes can start making money off their brand now. So that was kind of the thing Iridium, you know, kind of dived into, you know, and that's where I, that's actually the reason why I really came on to Iridium was for the college athletes, you know, the college wrestlers, you know, I have really great connections with a lot of wrestlers you know, who are going to fight after MMA. So that was kind of like a, one of the values I brought into Iridium was my connections in that space. And I was able to bring a couple athletes on board, just recruiting them be like, hey, you know, this is the plan I want for you guys. You know, let's go ahead and do this. You might wrestle for a couple of years on the world team Olympic trials. Awesome. You know what I mean? But after that, you know, they planned on fighting. So it's kind of taking them now, building them up now. It's kind of cool when it comes full circle and the UFC one day, it's like, wow, it's like, I started with this guy when he was just coming in. I always you know, pick a party wrestling. one because he's the one who gave me a fucking shot. <laughs> maybe, maybe. But, you know, I, at the end of the day, it's all them, man. You know, that's they put in the work. They put in the discipline. discipline. I just kind of, you know, I'm behind the scenes, you know, helping them out. I'm not one of those guys that are like, oh, you know, I need the praise or anything like that. You know, it's all them at the end of the day. And you kind of just want to, you just want to see their successful circle. So that's like, that's what kind of makes it like worth doing. Pete Lepardi, uh, let's break it down, you know, since you're in the, in the recruiting space, I asked, I, I interviewed a, a, an MMA fighter, Will Starks, a few weeks ago as well, had that episode on the podcast, people really liked it, I asked him the same question, now that, he answered it from a fighter standpoint, the person who's in the thick of it, who's, you know, who's been recruited to an agency, I want to ask someone who works at an agency the same question to see what you think, and what, how would you break this down, um, so if you could break down the step, I'm an athlete, right? Uh, I want to make it to the UFC. I want to work with an agency. I just want to get to the top of the sport. Uh, I feel like I'm good enough. I have the discipline. I have the talent. I have the hard work. But I'm, 
I'm in high school. I haven't started yet. So I want to, I want to, I want to start doing it. Right. I want to start uh, realizing my dream of fighting, fighting, uh, uh, doing MMA as a living. So break down the step-by-step process for me for getting to the UFC. And where at that point does the agency come in? So I think there's so many different scenarios you can play with that, to be honest. So there's not one strictly like, hey, this is yada, yada, yada. There's a bunch of different blueprints you can do because every athlete's different. You know, every athlete needs, you know, time or, you know, oh, wait, this guy has like eight pro fights already, but he's ready or, you know, things like that. So it's really just, you know, based on where the athlete's best, you know, you know, you have a great team surrounding you, you know, you kind of just talk it out, like game plan, what's best for that athlete. You kind of just take it from there, you know, and that's just too for the athlete just having trust in you in general. It's like, all right, I'm here because I have trust in you. You know what I mean? You're going to do what's best for me at the end of the day. You're not going to rush me into, you know, my first pro fight that early because that makes no sense because, you know, you're going to have to get your feet wet. It's just with anything, repetition, repetition, repetition. And so, and that's why you have a team surrounded you. You know what I mean? You know, you talk it out, you talk out scenarios, what so-and-so, you know, this could work as X, Y, and Z, or this might not work because, you know, X, Y, and Z. So it's really based on, you know, you know, coming together and, you know, coming up with a main goal, you know what I mean? So it's, it depends really, it varies from athletes. So I don't want to say like, oh, you know, this is the exact blueprint for this guy. Uh It's all different. You know what I mean? One guy might get, you know, a hundred Muay Thai fights in, you know what I mean? Or a hundred kickboxing fights before he goes to the MMA, you know what I mean? And then do a couple of, couple promotional shows. So it really depends on the athlete. You know what I mean? I don't want to say, Hey, you know, this is, this is it. It's, it doesn't work like that because every athlete's different. And I kind of relate it to wrestling too. Huh. You know what I mean? Every wrestler is different. Every wrestler, you know, maybe in middle school, they weren't so good. Okay. But, you know, they mature, they put on weight or they go up a weight class. You know, in high school, they become, you know, good, you know, become pretty good, better than they were in middle school. And then when they get to college, you know, they hit a different level. You know what I mean? So everyone hits a different level at a certain point. I mean, that's a fair point, right? Every football player, every fighter is different. Every fighter has different specialties. You know, they're good at certain things. They have other weaknesses. They have different reasons for why they're in the sport. Some want to support their family. Some think this is the only thing they're good at. Other people legit like the fight, whatnot. That's not what I meant. Um, uh, But what I was asking more so about, and that's a fair point, right? There's no blueprint. You can start at the age of 28 and get to the same level that someone did when they started at 15. Someone that started at 15 has a higher odds, right, of making it to the top of the sport because they've been training for a longer time. But maybe it's still possible. There's nothing that's impossible. But that's a great point, and 100% agree. What I was asking more so about, and there's a reason for this, is because think about the NFL, right? A typical path, and this is something that everyone, most people, have to go through. There's exceptions. Take the NBA, an even better example. You start playing early on, you play in middle school. High school is where it really takes off. If you perform well in high school, you're going to get scouts coming to your high school. They're going to recruit you for their college. Ideally, you want to get to a D1 school. When you get to a D1 school, you play the first year, the second year, you have to play a minimum of two years before you can be recruited by the NBA. Something similar for the NFL as well. Now you have exceptions like LeBron James who got recruited straight out of high school, right? But most people have to play college sports. And generally, you want to play in D1. Right now, you have somewhat of a structure there in NBA, NFL, you know, basketball, MLB, baseball with fighting with the, you know, MMA. It's not as clear cut, maybe specifically, specifically because it's a global sport. Right. Unlike in the US where you have to get a somewhat of a college education before you can play in the national sport. Right. Basketball, football with MMA, it seems like you know, we don't really know how you can go about it. Now, I've heard some people say that you have to, you know, first you start with the lower agencies, the 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 lower uh, the lower tier promotions, fight. yeah, promotion fights, amateur. amateur amateur fights, promotion fights, and you work your way out from there because you can't just get a championship fight with Conor McGregor on day one. Exactly. So that's what I'm asking about. You know, how many fights do? How do you get to that promotions level fight? Uh, you know, do I have to start at the district level, then pro- the state level, national promotions? What's the structure there for me to get to that championship level fight if I'm able to successfully progress myself, you know, progress through every single step? 
Exactly. So that's a good question. So some guys, like I said, there's that's a unique thing about MMA. It's like it's not like the NBA where it's like, all right, like some people can start like 17 years old, 18 years old. Like it's happened before. So, you know, when it comes to amateurs, a lot of those guys do start off an amateur, you know, um, fresh out of high school. You know, they just graduated high school. They go, I want to fight. All right. So they start on those amateur shows, you know, get a couple more like three, four fights, maybe 15. It really depends. Like I said, there's every athlete's different. Then they go to the pro fights. Like I said, LFA, Fury, they work their way up. They win the title. Uh, the UFC likes them. Hey, this kid has talent. He has very great striking, great uh, Brazilian jiu-jitsu. You know, let's bring him in for, uh, you know, a four or five. Let me stop you right here. If you win the title, are you guaranteed a spot in the UFC or a Bellator? Or is it possible it that they might not like you? Uh, it depends, man. It's a business at the end of the day. You got to understand, you know, every single NFL, NBA, it's all business. And, yeah. you know, if they like your fighting style, you know, awesome. You know, they're going to bring you on. If not, you know, then you you defend your title. You know, and that re, uh, you know, that uh, PF, uh, excuse me, LFA or Fury, you defend that title. You know, it all really depends, man. It depends on, you know, how your fighting style is. You know what I mean? It's just the match. The guys in those promotions are really going to see, you know, I like this guy. You know what I mean? He has great striking. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. You know, that makes exciting. That's entertainment. So you really got to see it. It's a business at the end of the day. And if when, they see an athlete they like, they can market right. The sky's the limit. That's exactly the other question that I had. Marketing. It's a business. So at the end of the day, right, we talk about how in sports in general, you got to be good enough. If you can throw the ball right, if you can fight right, if you can throw those punches or you have a good ground game, eventually you're going to get there. But is that quite true? Because look, it is a business, right? So how important is the brandability, the marketability of the athlete? Do they have the right story? Do they have that charisma that Conor McGregor has? You know, how important, how much of a factor, deciding factor is that in giving an athlete a shot? I think it's super, super important nowadays. Uh, You know, kind of referring back to the beginning of the interview, like marketing has expanded these last 10 years into something that we never seen before it's created jobs it's created platforms for athletes you know with through instagram tiktok you know all those social media platforms so it's so important to brand an athlete nowadays like that's what i kept saying with the college athletes you know we have them at this early stage of the career where we're building their brands you know we're getting them partner up with companies you know we're showing that you know these athletes can they have a brand at this early stage of their career you know, like I said, once again, until, you know, their first amateur or pro fight, you know what I mean? They have that brand already. They have a 20K following, you know, it's only going to grow and grow, you know, once again, to, you know, to keep fighting, you keep winning and, you know, things like that. And at the end of the day, I feel like the main ingredient for success, the Buja brand, you win, you know, winning. When you win in sports, you know, your brand's going to keep growing and growing and growing. You win in exciting fashion with a great brand, you know, maybe it's a different niche other than fighting, like you're into real estate, you know, you get financial advice or, you know, you like cooking, you do cooking shows or things like that. You already have those two different audiences, the MMA fans and the people who love cooking. So it's all just going to keep growing, growing and growing. So that's, it's really important for an athlete to build their brand, especially at like a young age too, if you're able to do that, you know, whether, you know, MMA fighters, a lot of them start doing Brazilian jiu-jitsu, you know, posting their highlights of them doing uh, tournaments or, you know, a college wrestler, you know, just building their brand through, you know, posting their pictures and wrestling or, you know, making highlight reels, things like that. All that comes full circle, you know, eventually to lead to one big thing. And that's, you know, at the end of the day, everyone wants to be a superstar. So you build your brand like that at such an early stage, uh-huh. you know, it's, it's going to keep growing and growing. You know what I mean? You stick with it. Stick with it. Keep growing and growing. And now, and based on what you're saying, right, for the listeners out there that want to but on the, not the sports management, but the fighting path or the sports path itself to come an athlete, you have, you want to look at both things because it is a business. Any sport is a business, not just MMA. But as Pete is saying, guys, you want to be able to do both things. Be good at what you're doing because at the end of the day, the proof is in the pudding. If you keep losing, you're not good at what you're doing, the sport, you're not going to get there. But you also have to keep in mind the brand that you are projecting out there your brand marketability because at the end of the day if you're marketable if you have a following if if you can resonate with people that's gonna if you have two people that are just equally good for the in the same sport but one has better marketability 
they're going to have a better chance of being recruited, of getting more opportunities, of making more money at the same time as well. Is that correct? Correct. Now, Peter, I want to talk more about this as well, but I also want to move on to the next segment. So let's talk about that first and then, you know, go from there. I really enjoy talking to you. We can talk all day, but we're short on time. Uh, I want to talk about sports management side specifically for people that want to go down this path. You're in a master's degree, doing a master's degree in sports management as we speak. So two things. What do they teach in sports management, right? <laughs> uh, I have no idea, right? And B, do you need a degree in sports management to, be, you know, to go into the industry nowadays? And how can kids you know, that want to go down this path, do it? What's the blueprint there? So the first question is, um, so when regards to a master's degree, uh, you know, some people actually, some people don't even have a college degree in this industry. So, you know, it's really is, you know, some people just have that entrepreneurial mindset, you know, business mindset from like a young age and they just make it work. So you don't technically need a master's degree. I just happened the opportunity presented itself when I was wrestling in college. I had another year of eligibility. I was like, hey, you know, what? I'm gonna wrestle again. I'm gonna do my grad year at Arizona State, and you know, kind of, I got into it like that. And you kind of just learn the business side of the sports world. You know, reading contracts. You know what I mean? Looking at the wording of like uh, promotional deals, things like that, and just like it's it teaches you a lot more about like the business side of sports. You know. But at the end of the day, you know, just working for Iridium, I kind of learned that, you know, this is, you know, firsthand how the, you know, business is ran. So you don't technically need a master's degree to get into it. You know what I mean? It's just great. Just networking in general, like just how like me and you uh, network, Ali, you know, just through a mutual friend, you know, Dave Brennan, you know, I was my high school teammate and you kind of just network with those people. You know, you're going to get with the right people. You ask for a network. This is how I, I'll count. This is how I'll explain it. So on to your second question. So how I got into the industry. Yeah. So I, you know, obviously I wrestled in college. Wrestling's a key component. You know, there's a lot of guys like Kamar Usman, Michael Chandler, Justin Gaethje, all were wrestling in college. So it's it's a top sport that really translates well into MMA. So I kind of started reaching out to a bunch of agencies, like, hey, like I'm Peter Lafari, so-and-so, you know, I have you know, I graduated from Rutgers. I'm currently getting my master's at Arizona State. This is, uh, you know, I'm looking for, you know, networking opportunities, internships, payrolls, unpaid roles, whatever. You know, I just want to network, connect. You know, even if it's a phone call for five minutes, like I was willing to do anything. So I reached out to a bunch of agencies. Uh, eventually, Iridium got back to me. You know, I did well on the interview. I brought a value for the company. You know, they're into college athletes, NLI athletes. So I was like, all right, perfect. You know, I have a lot of connections in that sphere. I can bring a couple of athletes on that are going to fight after uh, college wrestling. So it worked perfect. It was kind of just like match made in heaven, I guess you could say. Uh-huh. And I was able, it's so always brought into the marketing specialist. And I was like, hey, like I have one of my buddies, you know, Arizona State, you know, he's going to fight after college. He's interested. Like he wants to start getting, you know, building his brand more. You know, we can't really do anything at the moment because he's, he's not in the MMA. So, you know, from a marketing standpoint, we have a marketing team. We can start building his brand more. He's like, all right, awesome. Bring him on. You know, he's an accomplished wrestler. And then, Hey, I have this another kid, same accomplished wrestler, great brand, you know, let's bring him on. He's going to fight after college. So I brought him on and just, I created a value in that department alongside with marketing. And I was able to get more and more tasks to do, you know, whether that was, you know, doing fight shorts or, you know, like I said, making partnership deals because a lot of it too, marketing's preparing me for, you know, when I'm negotiating a contract for a fighter, you know, how to sell my athlete, you know what I mean? Like he deserves this so-and-so money, you know, this amount of fights on his contract. So everything's going to come full circle. So it's kind of like it was a unique part. Uh, inter- uh, started off an internship and moved on to a marketing specialist role and, uh, you know, in charge of the NLI athletes and, you know, everything kind of came full circle. So, you know, my biggest advice for Luke guys trying to, you know, break into that. The hardest part is breaking into the industry, getting your foot into the industry. And then once you do that, it's what you do with it, you know, creating value in different departments, whether that's marketing or, oh, I know how to read a contract, you know, getting the contract sent you, reading them over, seeing this is a good deal for the athlete. You know, all those little things, the values you can bring to an agency or a company or whatever you're doing, it's going to come a long way. You know what I mean? So that's the biggest thing 
people look for is how a person can bring value to their company. And the hardest part is breaking into the industry. And the way that you broke into it, just to recap that for the guys listening as well, for the girls, is just reach out to agencies and tell them what your passion is, why you're passionate about the sport, what you can do for them, and sell yourself. Right? And exactly. it's a numbers game. So once you say, if you can sell yourself, if you can convey the passion for that sport, because everyone wants people that are passionate about the cause. If you can align with the mission, you can sell yourself, then you just reach out to as many agencies as possible and you, and, 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 and you don't want to be afraid of rejection because a lot of them may not think you're a good fit and that's okay. All you need is one opportunity. If you can get exactly. that one opportunity and you're in, now you just have to create value. So align with the mission, sell yourself to get to the door. If you get through the door, now you want to take advantage of the proof in the pudding. So to speak. Correct. You want to create value. Once you get that foot in that door, you you take advantage of it. Full 100%, circle. 100%. 100%. That's, that's a great description. It really, it really is as simple as that. It's it's not rocket science. Exactly. What it requires is persistence. Correct. Persistence and just discipline. You know what I mean? Hard work. And that's anything. There's no secret formula, especially in anything in life. People, you know, get to the pinnacle of whatever they're doing, whether that's, you know, I keep whether that's fighting or, you know, owning a gym or, you know, creating a restaurant or doing anything like becoming the CEO of that company, just hard work and persistence. And if you're willing to be all in, you know, not to, not one foot in, one foot out, two feet in, you want to be two feet, feet in whatever you're doing. If you're passionate about something and you really, really want to do it, you're going to make it happen. So you know really I mean? quickly, yeah, go ahead, go ahead. And that's just coming to the point too. You know, I've probably... In the beginning, I probably sent out like 200, 300 emails. I reached out to everybody. I probably got- That's crazy. Son of a bitch. Okay. I got 299 no, no's or no responses. Or no, we're not taking internships at the time. We're just ignored. I just took that one yes. Uh, it changed my whole tra- trajectory. How did you deal with that rejection? I think, honestly, I related to wrestling. You know what I mean? There's so many ups and downs in that sport of wrestling. It's like one day you can feel on top of the world and one day you'll just get humbled just this quick. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? So just like wrestling has like instilled in me at such a young age where it's like all those downs, there's going to be more downs than ups in life, but all those downs are going to be worth that one up that'll change your life forever. So that's kind of like my mindset on it. Just keep going and going. You know what I mean? All those no's. Okay, no problem. On to the next one. You know, who's going to say yes next? There's going to be someone who's going to say yes. You just got to keep going, going, and being persistent. Stop. Most people get disheartened. They become tired of the no's and the rejections and they stop. But they don't know that gold, when you're digging for gold, all it takes is one more shovel and then you strike gold, right? But you exactly. Stop. And that's the thing too. Something I, something I heard recently, it's like, whether it's like a young entrepreneur, you know, trying to sell someone their company or it's kind of they don't invest in the in the like the idea or the plan they invest in the person because at the end of the day it's the person who's doing all that work you know you don't want to invest in a person who who has a great plan but he might not be disciplined or he kind of just like gives up like this you invest in the person who's willing to do anything and anything to get that job done yeah 100 percent Really quickly, we, we can talk about tons of other stuff all day long, right? It's super fun to keep track of time. But since <laughs> no, this is here, awesome. I'm going to talk about one more thing. You know, take these, the rich pals of the world, right? The NBA superstar agent, LeBron James, is I think he's, he's LeBron James's agent. You know him? Yes. Yeah. Rich, rich Paul, Paul yeah. Jason House, other such superstar agents and their agencies. What's the secret sauce? What, what do you, why do you think they've been able to achieve the success that they have, even though there's tons and tons of agencies out there? How do you, how do you set yourself apart from the crowd in this industry? What's the secret to success? It's, I, I, I keep referring to it. It's literally just hard work. You know what I mean? It's hard work and being persistent, you know, networking, all those kind of come to about, you know what I mean? It's, it's a hard industry to break into. It's a hard industry to make, you know, make it into, you know, there's no set job where it's like, you're going on LinkedIn and there's a set job. It's like, Hey, sports agent for so-and-so. So it just doesn't uh, work like that. There's no, it's, about, it's just hard. Work. Exactly. There's no, it's there's literally no just hard work, being persistent, networking, you know, building relationships, you know, all those, all those things are going to benefit you at the end of the day. You know what I mean? Working like a bad man, you know what I mean? Um, it's just, it's just like, 
any business, any entrepreneur building up their business, it's going to take a lot of time and energy and, you know, you got to be all in. If you're not all in, then there's no plan B, there's no plan C, there's no plan D. It's no, this is what I'm going to do. This is it. This is, I'm going to hit this benchmark this certain week or this month. Okay, great. Now I want to do that, hit that benchmark and it's just going to keep growing and growing. Kick the can down the road, right? Exactly, correct. Do you work, do you work like a madman, Pete? I do. <laughs> uh-huh. What is your good kind of, about that? I mean, if you work like a madman, you don't have any time for anyone else. No, that's the thing too. She, so she has her own thing. She's a, you know, she's a hard worker herself. So we kind of just support our goals. You know what I mean? I think that's what makes our relationship so great. It's like we both want what we want in life and we're able to support each other. We understand, you know, it's going to be, you know, times away from each other and things like that. But, you know, once you kind of, that's the thing about relationships, you're able to build each other up, you know, and support each other's goals. It works out for a perfect relationship. Uh And finally, you excited about Jacksonville next month? Jacksonville, correct. Korean Zombies coming up against uh, Wolanowski. That's going to be a great fight. Uh-huh. Um, you think, uh, think Conor McGregor's done? You know, let's talk about some fun stuff in the world of sports, and then we can call it a day. Conor McGregor, he's, a, he's an icon in the sport, man. He totally made this sport into what it is, you know, specifically today. Some people are arguing that he's done at this point. He's had back-to-back losses. You know, he's broken his shin bone now. Is he going to be back? Do you think he's going to be back to winning ways? Like Ronda Rousey, right? She made the women's sport where it is today. But sooner or later, every athlete's time comes, right? Exactly. And I think so, too. It's just Conor McGregor is just a different animal, man. He, uh, you know, from like in his... I mean, some consider it his prime, you know, those years when he fought Aldo, Eddie Alvarez, you know, he changed the sport forever. He put eyes on the sport that never would have been there before without him. So, you know, he's a great showman. You know, he's, everyone's like, oh, he doesn't like to be compared to like Muhammad Ali of our generation, but that's what he really is. He really created that platform for MMA where, you know, now you have Drake watching it. You have, you know, Aldo Beckham, like going to every fight, you know, Joe Burrow sitting ringside. So Justin Bieber, guys like that, guys who have never been there before, Conor McGregor put eyes on that sport. So he's forever a legend, legacy, no matter what it is, he's, he made the UFC to what it is today from like an outside crowd perspective. Uh, that's you know true. I mean? Going back to Muhammad Ali, the issue with Conor McGregor is that he divides the crowds, you know? Ali is universally like more or less, most people, you know, agree that he's the GOAT, greatest of all time. With McGregor, you know, you, you either love him or you hate him. Don't, wouldn't you agree? Agreed. I think you either love him or hate him, but I feel like at the end of the day, too, you know what I mean? Uh, that just comes with the sport, you know, how he market himself, and you know what I mean? Um, I personally think Conor Gregor, you know, is very motivational, you know, especially in those early years. Like, it's motivational for what he's done for, like, there's not going to uh-huh. be, and I don't think there will ever be another Conor Gregor. Like, it's just, I mean, there might be, even close, but I just don't see it. Does he changed the sport forever? Who do you think the guys to who? Who do you think is the big uh, superstar in UFC now, though? With Conor McGregor out injured and having had back to back losses, who do you think the who do you think is the guy to beat? Israel Adesanya. You think so? Yes, I think he's special. <laughs> he's <laughs> not the, the superstar that McGregor was, but he doesn't really draw the eyes that McGregor did. Who do you think is going to be the next big? big man that UFC can get behind as a marketability thing as well. I think, I honestly, Israel Adesanya, I think he does put eyes from a different perspective too. I think he's very popular and I think he's only growing and growing. And I love it. I love how he marked himself. He's just who he is as a person. You know what I mean? He's not putting on a front or anything. He's just Israel Adesanya. And just his, the way he fights, the way he excites the crowd, um, the way, the way he talks, how he presents himself. It's, it's such a unique way that I've never seen before. So I think, honestly, he's going to blow up to, you know, I think he's either going to I would argue to that... Moreno. Moreno is a good fit as well because of the Hispanic backing that he brings with himself. What do you think about oh, that? You know, Moreno, if, if Moreno is such a great... The next fight. Moreno such a great human being, um, you know, family per, family man. And, you know what I mean? He has those two different demographics in Latin America and the USA. And, you know, people just love him. You know, he has just a great energy to him. He's always smiling. You know what I mean? 
But like when that cage is closed, he, he becomes a killer. And, you know, right out, right when it's over, he's back to, you know, happy Brandon Moreno. Uh-huh. So he's a great ambassador for our sport too. And, you know, like I said, you know, those, that's the thing UFC is becoming more and more of these guys are becoming more popular every time they fight. So it's a great thing to see because, you know, a couple of years ago, it wasn't like that. Now, like I said, with social media, marketing, yeah. UFC page, Instagram, Twitter, all that stuff, they're able to market these fighters and, you know, they grow in following, they grow in popularity, they become fans. And, you know, it's, it's a great thing to see. What's in the future for Pete Lepari? Where do you go from here? Pete Lepari? Pete Lepari um, you, yeah. My future, MMA agent, NFL agent. Those are the two sports I want to do. So, Do you have any experience with NFL though? Because I feel like you're focusing exclusively on UFC. So I don't. So actually, it's funny enough. Football growing up was my favorite sport. I was a New York Jets oh. fan. So I used to go to season every NFL football game for the Jets and season tickets. So that's something I've always been passionate about. Like I said, my first experience of like seeing an agent was Drew Rosenhaus as an NFL yeah. agent. So I definitely want to dip my toes into that eventually, you know, and with being an NFL agent, you're going to have to have a, uh, a master's degree or like a post-bachelor degree to be able to become NFL PA certified. So that's in my future plans, you know, to finish my master's degree and go right ahead and get the NFL PA certified test and, you know, see where it goes from there. Do you need that to become an agent? Yes, in the NFL. Correct. The MMA, no. Okay. MMA, you don't. Makes sense. Makes sense. Well, Pete, I have one more question. This is a finisher that I ask everyone toward the end, more so because it's a question designed to uh, get a feel for what drives you. What's the driving force, the life force, the principles behind why you wake up in the morning, right? It can be anything. So I have a question. Uh, Elon Musk, you know, we're 20 years down the line. Musk has already created the a rocket that he was going to use to go to Mars. That's happened. We're done and dusted. We have people on the moon, Mars, all of that stuff. And now I'm a big shot myself, and I've created another space station, another rocket to take us to Europa, which is a moon next to Jupiter. You know, one of those big moons in Jupiter? We talk, you know, NASA talks about it all the time. It's a water planet. And... I have had a, I've had a great idea. Instead of creating a hotel or like doing research, what I want to do is take UFC to Jupiter. So we've created a station and I want a sports management guy with some marketing background on the moon, you know, on Europa as well, which is the moon and Jupiter again. And I want you to go there. It's a, it's a $12 billion project, random number, and you're going to be there. Which means though, because it's a long ass journey, like millions and millions of miles to get there, you're not going to be able to come back. And you agree for some reason or another because you're a crazy dude. Okay, so you're on the stage and you're addressing the, the people of the world and uh, you're just going to share your principles for success in life, something that they're going to remember you for, your family, your kids, whatnot, before you go. You're not going to be able to come back. This is your, these are your last words. What are the top three principles for success in life from Pete Lepardi? First one, it's going to be discipline. Without discipline, you're nothing. I feel like you're, it's going to be very hard to achieve anything you want without discipline. Number two, I, I keep repeating these two words, but I live by these words, persistence. You know, being persistent in anything in life, you know, it's eventually it's going to come true. You know what I mean? Whether that's goals or certain things you want to do in life, it's being persistent. And then number three, that's a good one. Hmm. See, that's the thing. I've always like those are my two th- words. I've always lived by persistence and discipline. Well, first um, after everything, let's think about a third one. I'm not going to let you go before you mention that. I'd say hard. I mean, it's hard work. Would that hard work be considered one? I mean, hard work's one of them, sure. Uh, yeah, I'd say hard work. Then I mean, without hard work, like, what well, it's it takes those three things. It's like a it's like a recipe. It's like you're built. It's like you're uh, making a cake. It's like those three things you can use and you know just run away with it so uh-huh. those I'd, I'd say those three are definitely you know would be my last three words on earth to everybody well there <laughs> you have it pete lapari would say discipline persistence and hard work correct guys you're listening to the ajk health fitness and business podcast with your host ali khan and a very special guest pete lapari with us here today
Next week, I'm going to have another guest with me who started his own water business at the age of 21 in Asia uh, to support his family and how that business took off after years and years of hard work. And uh, there you have it. I'm going to have links to connect with Pete and myself in the description box below. You can listen to this podcast anywhere you get your podcasts. This podcast was sponsored by SalesShark, a sales and marketing automation platform, the most affordable, the easiest platform to use to be able to connect with over a million plus contacts uh, for your business and your target industry within the space of a month. And uh, I'm going to have more info about the company in the description box below as well. Have a great day. Till next time. Peace. Going back to Muhammad Ali, the issue with Conor McGregor is that he divides the crowds, you know. Ali is universally, like, more or less, most people, you know, agree that he's the GOAT, greatest of all time. With McGregor, you know, you, you either love him or you hate him. Don't, wouldn't you agree? Agreed. I think you either love him or hate him, but I feel like at the end of the day, too, you know what I mean? Uh, that just comes with the sport, you know, how he marketed himself, and you know what I mean? Um, I personally think Conor McGregor you know, it was very motivational, you know, especially in those early years, like it's motivational for what he's done for like, there's not uh-huh. going to be, and I don't think there'll ever be another Conor McGregor. Like it's just, I mean, there might be even close, but I, I just don't see it. Was, he changed the sport forever. Who do you think the guys to, who, who do you think is the big uh, superstar in UFC now though, with Conor McGregor out injured or, not, or having had back-to-back losses? Who do you think, the, who do you think is the guy to beat? Israel Adesanya. You think so? Yes, I think he's special. <laughs> he's not the superstar that McGregor was, but he doesn't really draw the eyes that McGregor did. Who do you think is going to be the next big big man that UFC can get behind as a marketability thing as well? I think, I honestly, Israel Adesanya, I think he does put eyes from a different perspective too. I think he's very popular, and I think he's only growing and growing. And I love it. I love how he marked himself. He's just who he is as a person. You know what I mean? He's not putting on a front or anything. He's just Israel Adesanya. And just his, the way he fights, the way he excites the crowd, um, the way, the way he talks, how he presents himself. It's, it's such a unique way that I've never seen before. So I think honestly, he's going to blow up to, you know, I think he's either I would argue Moreno. Moreno is a good fit as well because of the Hispanic backing that he brings with himself. What do you think about oh, that? You know, Moreno, if, if Moreno's such a great the next fight. Moreno's such a great human being. Um, you know, family per, family man, and you know what I mean. He has those two different demographics: the Mex Latin America and the USA. And you know, people just love him. You know, he has just a great energy to him. He's always smiling. You know what I mean. But like when that cage is closed, he, he becomes a killer. And, you know, right out, right when it's over, he's back to, you know, happy Brandon Moreno. Uh-huh. So he's a great ambassador for our sport too. And, you know, like I said, you know, those, that's the thing UFC is becoming more and more. These guys are becoming more popular every time they fight. So it's a great thing to see because, you know, a couple of years ago, it wasn't like that. Now, like I said, with social media, marketing, yeah. UFC page, Instagram, Twitter, all that stuff, they're able to market these fighters and, you know, they grow in following, they grow in popularity, they become fans, and, you know, it's, it's a great thing to see. What's in the future for Pete Lepari? Where do you go from here? Pete Lepari? Pete Lepari um, you, yeah. My future, MMA agent, NFL agent. Those are the two sports I want to do, so. Do you have any experience with NFL, though? Because I feel like you're focusing exclusively on UFC. So, I don't, so, actually, it's funny enough, Football growing up was my favorite sport. I was a New York Jets oh. fan. So I used to go to season every NFL football game for the Jets and season tickets. So that's something I'm always been passionate about. Like I said, my first experience of like seeing an agent was Drew Rosenhaus was an NFL yeah. agent. So I definitely want to dip my toes into that eventually, you know, and with being an NFL agent, you're going to have to have a, uh, a master's degree or like a post-bachelor degree to be able to become NFLPA certified. So that's in my future plans, you know, to finish my master's degree and go right ahead and get the NFLPA certified test and, you know, see where it goes from there. Do you need that to become an agent? Yes, in the NFL. Correct. The NFL, MMA, no. Okay. MMA, you don't. Makes sense. Makes sense. Well, Pete, I have one more question. This is a finisher that I ask everyone toward the end. More so because it's a question designed to uh, get a feel for what drives you. What's the driving force, the life force, the principles behind 
why you wake up in the morning, right? It can be anything. So I have a question. Uh, Elon Musk, you know, we're 20 years down the line. Musk has already created the uh, rocket that he was going to use to go to Mars. That's happened. We're done and dusted. We have people on the moon, Mars, all of that stuff. And now I'm a big shot myself, and I've created another space station, another rocket to take us to Europa, which is a moon next to Jupiter. You know, one of those big moons in Jupiter? We talk, you know, NASA talks about it all the time. It's a water planet. And I have had a, I've had a great idea. Instead of creating a hotel or like doing research, what I want to do is take UFC to Jupiter. So we've created a station and I want a sports management guy with some marketing background on the moon, you know, on Europa as well, which is the moon of Jupiter again. And I want you to go there. It's a, it's a $12 billion project, random number, and you're going to be there. Which means though, because it's a long ass journey, like millions and millions of miles to get there, you're not going to be able to come back. And you agree for some reason or another, because you're a crazy dude. Okay, so you're on the stage and you're addressing the, the people of the world. And uh, you're just going to share your principles for success in life, something that they're going to remember you for, your family, your kids, whatnot, before you go. You're not going to be able to come back. This is your, these are your last words. What are the top three principles for success in life from Pete Lepard? First one, it's going to be discipline. Without discipline, you're nothing. I feel like you're it's going to be very hard to achieve anything you want without discipline. Number two, I, I keep repeating these two words, but I live by these words, persistence, you know, being persistent in anything in life, you know, it's eventually it's going to come true. You know what I mean? Whether that's goals or certain things you want to do in life, it's being persistent. And then number three, that's a good one. Hmm. See, that's the thing. I've always like, those are my two th words. I've always lived by persistence and discipline. Well, first, after everything, let's think about a third one. I'm not going to let you go before you mention that. I'd say hard. I mean, it's hard work. Would that hard work be considered one? I mean, hard work's one of them, sure. Uh, yeah, I'd say hard work then. I mean, without hard work, like, what well, it's it takes those three things. It's like a it's like a recipe. It's like you're built. It's like you're uh, making a cake. It's like those three things you can use and you know just run away with it. So uh -huh. those, I'd, I'd say those three are definitely, you know, would be my last three words on earth to everybody. Oh, <laughs> well, there you have it. Pete Lapari would say discipline, persistence, and hard work. Correct. Guys, you're listening to the AJK Health, Fitness, and Business Podcast with host Ali Khan and a very special guest, Pete Lapari, with us here today. Next week, I'm going to have another guest with me who started his own water business at the age of 21 in Asia uh, to support his family and how that business took off after years and years of hard work. And uh, there you have it. I'm going to have links to connect with Pete and myself in the description box below. You can listen to this podcast anywhere you get your podcasts. This podcast was sponsored by SalesShark, a sales and marketing automation platform, the most affordable, the easiest platform to use to be able to connect with over a million plus contacts uh, for your business and your target industry within the space of a month. And uh, I'm going to have more info about the company in the description box below as well. Have a great day. Till next time. Peace. <laughs>